0: Hi everyone. We are going to go on and get started with our panel night. Um, So first of all, thank you for coming to our fall Shiloh panel for 2023. Um, We are encouraged that you are here tonight. Thank you for taking this um, step into coming to something that I know most of us maybe, probably didn't think would be part of our story, so um, thank you for just trusting us with your time and um, sharing your stories with us so that we can share ours with you just to encourage each other um, to keep walking this road that uh, either we have walked or we're currently walking, so thank you. Um, Let's see, so in the room tonight, there's lots of women that are wearing these Shiloh shirts. Um, these are women that have been in the study previously and are serving. So if you have any questions throughout the night, ask anyone on the panel, table leaders, anyone, and they can kind of um, probably answer most of your questions or direct you to someone that really can. Um, everybody's story is unique, and so um, we want to help you the best we can. Um, let's see. So a little bit about Shiloh. So this is our panel night, and we've never done a panel night at the beginning of the study before. So this is a little different for us, but we're really excited. So um, we have panel night, and then we also have our Shiloh 10-week study that launches next week, uh, next Thursday. And I'm sure some of you ladies are signed up for that. If you're not signed up, um, it is just an amazing study learning how to rely on the Lord more in your infertility and loss Um, and learning to why we pray um, and just learning how to be joyful during um, a time that doesn't feel joyful. Um, And then we have gilo also that is for the men while your women go through Shiloh. And it is a shorter study. I think it is five weeks. Um, And it is just a study to go um, so that husbands can really learn how to support their wives in this, but then also deal with their um, grief and struggles through this also. Um, Did I explain it well, Paul? Okay, good. Good. Thanks. Um, And then we also have, we're not... uh, currently offering it but we also have a miscarriage study um, that is an eight week study and since we're not offering it this time it's kind of a one on one thing if someone really wanted to go through something like that Um, and it is for women who've experienced one or two miscarriages Um, it's a shorter just kind of condensed study of the Shiloh study Um, Still a great study, but just a little more specific for that and then we have in the winter and the summer, we have what's called our Shiloh connects, and those are uh, once a month in when we're not offering the study and they go over specific topics um, in November we'll off no December we'll have one that's um, kind of surviving the holidays so um, We try to make them topic specific. Sometimes they're just women. Sometimes they're couples. Um, And so be on the lookout on the website or we send out emails um, that kind of have some of that information in them. So um, we always also offer any like one-on-one if you want to chat with anyone before um, a treatment or before an appointment or if you've recently had a miscarriage. We um, are happy and willing to connect with you, uh, yourself, or you and your spouse, um, just to help you kinda process through whatever you're working with. Um, Okay, let's, um, so tonight we'll have, the panel will speak for a little bit, we'll go back to our tables, have a little bit of table discussion. There are note cards on your table, and so if there's any questions that you think of during the study or during the panel that you wanna ask the panel specifically, um, please write down any questions you have, give them to your table leaders, and they will give them to us. And in the second part of the panel, when we come back up, we will answer any of those questions or any additional questions um, that you might have from something you heard earlier that you wanna ask more specifically. And then uh, we just ultimately hope that tonight will strengthen your relationship with the Lord that it will um, give you peace and hope just in the midst of longing for a child um, to grow your family. And so that's why we are here and we have all experienced that going through this study and just feeling seen and heard and like other, talking to other people that just get it. Um, I feel like makes such a huge difference. So we hope that you feel that way tonight um, and we hope that you leave encouraged. And so let's... Uh, Let me start us off with a prayer, and then we will get started. Dear Lord, I just thank you for bringing all these couples here tonight. I thank you for their vulnerability to come and surrender to you just in this season of infertility and loss. I pray um, for these table leaders and these panelists tonight that you would use their words to help uh, equip these couples to just lean on you and rest in you during these trials. I pray that all our words tonight would be um, directly from you, that we would be able to deliver any messages um, tonight with clarity and boldness and just empathy. Uh, We pray that everyone in this room would just be filled with peace in this moment that we would be able to turn off any outside distractions, um, any things that are going on in our own lives, and that we would just be able to be present in the moment and hear what you have for us tonight. Uh, I want to say thank you. I just hope that all these women and men tonight leave um, feeling heard and understood and that, you, that they know that the plans that you have for them are greater than anything um, that they could ever want. Uh, please be with our time tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, so I will say a little bit of my story and kind of why I'm here tonight. Um, our, my husband and I, our journey was miscarriages. And so we had four miscarriages after our first son and then we had uh, we had a pregnancy with triplets, and we lost two of those, but we do have a second son here with us, um, and then we have had one miscarriage since then. So our story is not one of infertility specifically. Um, it is one of miscarriage. So if that is your story, um, I'm sorry, but we are excited to hear um, what our panel has to offer. So if y'all will just kind of go through and. Tell us a little quick bit about your story sure hi everyone um, I'm
1: Jessica, and this is my husband patrick we're the duns and we've uh, been married for almost nine years and um, our story um I kind of joke sometimes that we like almost blacked out the bingo card of infertility and adoption, so um, i'm going to try to be brief in giving you the high points of what we went through so um Initially, we just had a, what we thought was an unexplained inability to conceive. Um, that's what brought me to Shiloh, and I went through the study in the fall of 2016. And um, it was during that time we um, we did see a reproductive endocrinologist. And we tried IUIs, which is intrauterine insemination, if you're not familiar with that. And um, we, we tried three rounds of that. We did not get pregnant. And... Um, during the Shiloh study, we were processing, okay, do we want to go to the next step, which was IVF, which is in vitro fertilization, or do we um, pursue adoption? And just some background information on that is that Patrick and his sister were adopted um, as infants, and so um, his parents also experienced infertility, and so for us, we just kind of had a leaning already and felt like God was calling us to pursue Adoption. So we stopped fertility treatment, um, which was a really hard decision to for me especially to walk away from. But um, we, we pursued adoption and we were excited about it and we did domestic infant adoption. Um, so then kind of phase two of our story was while we were waiting to be matched with an expecting mother, um, we uh found out that I was pregnant. And um, kind of at the same exact time, also found out that we lost the baby. And so um, so it was like, okay, well, apparently we can get pregnant, but, but something's going on. So um, it was a bit of a whirlwind, but September of 2017 was a rough month for us. So um, I had to have a DNC, uh, which is a procedure that you have um, sometimes after having a miscarriage. Um, and it was like the exact same time that we also got matched with an expecting mother, which was very exciting. So I think in our minds, we kind of convinced ourselves that, okay, this is, this is the baby God's giving us instead since we had this miscarriage. And um, uh, unfortunately and sadly, uh, we, we watched this baby. I watched this baby come into this world. Um, we took care of the baby in the hospital, named him, fed him, changed him for 48 hours. And uh, when it came time for his biological mother to sign a relinquishment of her parental rights, she changed her mind and decided to parent. And so we drove home from the hospital with an empty car seat. And that felt like just the biggest slap in the face. Uh, Definitely left us questioning uh, whether adoption was really the right choice of of, um, growing our family. And so that was a dark time. um, But fortunately, God had um, better plans. And a few weeks later, we were actually matched with our son Samuel's birth mother, and he was born in December 2017. Um, obviously he is our son, so it, it went through and, um, and he is an absolute joy. So um, I became a mom and it was great. And um, really soon after we took Samuel home, we found out at the same time that I was pregnant and miscarrying again. And so that was really weird. It was just a few months later and, you know, still doctors couldn't tell us what was going on. And then a few months later, when we were finalizing Samuel's adoption, I found out I was pregnant again. And um, unfortunately, we lost that baby as well. So um, we, our story just really switched from not conceiving to now we're conceiving every few months, but losing the pregnancy. So um, at that time, we were not um, pumped about um, pursuing IVF, which is what all of our reproductive endocrinologists told us to pursue. So um, I happened across something that's called NAPRO technology. It's short for natural procreative technology. Not a lot of people have heard of it. Um, it was kind of born out of the Catholic church, but it's an alternative to try to kind of diagnose and treat the true cause of your infertility. And I was really focused on wanting answers. And so I, um, we did pursue that. Um, I don't think Patrick was super excited about us jumping back into fertility treatment again. Um, but we did that, and it took some time, but we did get the answers that we sought. We ultimately learned that um, I had endometriosis, which I had um, removed during a surgery, and um, just several hormonal issues that were um, addressed through medication. And through that, um, we did ultimately conceive our daughter, Isabel, and um, which was just a total miracle and a blessing. And, um, God blessed us once again, very shortly after with our daughter, Lydia. And so, um, that's our story. It was, um, you know, when we tell people now that we have three kids that are four, two, and one, it doesn't seem like we had any issue growing our family, but it was years and years of just a lot of pain. And, um, and trials, so um, I'm just glad everyone's here. Over the years, Patrick and I have attended several of these panels um, at different points in our journey, and it was always such an encouragement. So it's truly an honor, honestly, to get to come up here and and share
2: with you guys. Awesome, okay, so my name's Lexi, and this is my husband, Paul. Um, We met at Watermark um, and got married in 2016. Um, we started trying to have um, a baby about six months later, and um, you know, just like everyone else, thought it was going to be easy. My mom got pregnant easily, so sure, why wouldn't we? Um, we tried for about six months and had no success. So, um, because we got married a little bit older, um, I was ready to kind of go and do some testing, and um, after six months, and so we. First started with um, our OB, my OB, and just did some basic testing, and she was like, "I can't find anything that's wrong. Um, I'll refer you to an RE." So we, a reproductive endocrinologist. So we started seeing um, an RE shortly after that, and did some more testing. Um, they didn't find anything wrong, so they just labeled us as uh, unexplained infertility, which is a lovely diagnosis. Um, And that was about the time, fall of 2018, that we both did Shiloh and Gilo. Um, And we were uh, just kind of wrestling at that point with the decisions that came out of the unexplained infertility kind of diagnosis because it was very vague and we didn't know really kind of where to go from there. So um, we processed a lot with Shiloh and our community and... Um, initially, we're not on the same page. That's part of our stories. Um, I was more ready to pursue kind of like treatment and help um, in this arena before Paul was. So I know that's one of the questions they asked later. So I won't elaborate too much on that, but that that definitely was part of our story. Um, uh, we, init- or we eventually did decide to pursue uh, medicated IUI cycles. So that's the intrauterine insemination. Um, and we did three of those and got pregnant on our third, um, our third, IUI. Um, and he, it, we have a son, His name's Caleb. Um, he was born uh, in July of 2019. And um, we just were in awe that God gave us a child, I think, when you go through um, I mean, it doesn't sound like we went through a lot, but it was several years of kind of like wrestling and waiting what God was going to do, and I think, um, not that everyone doesn't feel like their child is a miracle, but I I think once you, like, learn all the intricacies that go into, you know, conceiving, then you realize, wow, this really is a miracle every time that it happens. So, um, not that it hasn't been hard on days, but I I do think, um, yeah, we just saw God's hand in that, and we're super, super grateful for Him. Um, A year or so later, uh, we decided that we would like to try for another. Um, and the first time around with infertility, we, we weren't able to get pregnant. This time around, um, we actually got pregnant naturally a couple months after we started trying and immediately miscarried. And then we got pregnant two more times and miscarried around the 8 to 12-week mark. So never made it past um, first trimester. Um, and then we, after that, they consider the, the first miscarriage was very, it was considered like a chemical um, pregnancy, So they, but they still consider that a miscarriage. So our RE decided to do some more testing to see if there was something that had changed um, that we were, that was preventing us from being able to conceive this time around, or to keep a pregnancy this time around. Um, so she did some testing and, again, didn't find anything wrong. So... We did um, seven medicated IUIs with her, with that clinic, um, within the past year and a half. Um, And none of those were successful. So our doctor was really, at this point, we were kind of at a crossroads and she was very much encouraging us towards IVF. Um, She just said, you know, I think that most likely it's just that your age is, is hindering you from having good eggs. and I think that if you did IVF, you would have a better chance. Um, and we were very straightforward with her and she actually was is a believer. Um, and she understood our hesitancy, but she is also a doctor that does this for a living. so I mean it was she wanted for us to have you know the outcome that we wanted. and so we at that point kind of took a pause and Um, I think God had been kind of like planting seeds for us to consider going to a different doctor. Um, My sister-in-law, who serves in this ministry, um, had seen a different doctor, and I think that um, there were just some things that we were maybe a little discontent with our doctor about, not necessarily, I mean, anything like... It was just little things. And so um, we actually went to a dinner and met with or met a couple that had seen this other doctor that is the same one um, that my sister-in-law and brother had gone to and we decided at that time to kind of like what you said like just we wanted to know it was wrong like we don't want to just keep doing the same thing or just jump to jump to IVF we were just not at peace with that if we hadn't tried you know doing everything we could to kind of uncover any problems that were there so um We have, over the past, I guess, nine months, we've been with that new clinic um, and have done a lot more testing um, and still haven't found much. There were a few small, minor things that they have tweaked and are, I mean, they're continually checking kind of like each thing for each cycle that we go through and um, just trying to see if there's anything else we can do to improve our chances of conceiving and then hopefully keeping a pregnancy. So that's where we
3: are today. And then, hi, my name is Jen Grandy, and this is my husband, Jeff. And uh, we got married back in 2015. And so we've been married for about seven years and about six months into our marriage. Um we decided to try to build our family um, we got married in our 30s and we knew like hey like we wanted a family so we decided you know let's let's see if we're able to and I knew that I had a family history of um, pre-menopause which is women going into menopause in their like earlier than normal like in their 30s sometimes and I was about 34 at the time so Even knowing that, I was very optimistic and hopeful, and I've always just felt like God made me to be a mom. Like, I love children so much. And so about six months in, we had not conceived, so we did go to the doctor, first started with um, our OBGYN, and then very quickly learned that I had low egg reserve and also like the quality of the eggs that I did have. We're just not optimal, Um, and so we started a series of treatments, kind of really right out of the gate, um, like three rounds of Clomid, three IUIs, and then two attempted IVF cycles. Um, And at that point, my body still wasn't producing like quality eggs, and so I decided to go more of like a non-traditional route, um, things like. Chinese herbs, acupuncture, chiropractic really took a totally different bent to just to see if my body might respond differently. Um, because my heart and our heart was just really, we really wanted to have a biological child if at all possible. And so about a year ago, um, you know, we're at that point, what are we like five and a half or so years, five, five and a half years in to trying to build our family. It was like, Hey, there's this, do we have one more go in us to try IVF like one last time? And um, we switched doctors just like you had said, just due to some small things, maybe just trying to find a better fit. Um, And there was a lot more testing that led to some medical diagnosis for myself that then just gave us peace to close that door on like trying for a biological child. Um, So 2021 was probably like my personal hardest year as like a human being of my years of existence. And I was a hard year in our marriage too, because that then started a lot of grief for me as I was really letting go of, I don't think I've actually fully let go, but I'm like learning to let go and learning to accept a no is actually like where I am current state. I think that that's something, even I was in counseling today and just like, well, my my answer from the Lord for a biological child is a no. And I am really trying to work on accepting that with an open hand instead of being resentful of the Lord. Um, so that was like a conversation this afternoon around 1 p.m. So I'm like in the throes of that. Um, and and I, what I would share is that throughout that process, um, even though we've received a no, like we, we, um, we know that God is good. I've not always felt like he's good. Um, but God has put people in our lives through Shiloh and then also through Watermark's um, Intro to Adoption and Foster Care ministry, which um, is really led us to, to pursue adoption. And we are in the process of completing our paperwork. Um, we're towards the end of that um, right now, and just very really hopeful to build our family. Through adoption. Um, Jeff was adopted as an infant um, domestically um, as well. So adoption is part of his story from the get-go. And uh, so we're excited about what the Lord might have for us. Definitely convinced that he is good. And then also realize that that even in his goodness, um, just walking through like the pain coexisting and the pain not negating his goodness. So I think that is just like the constant dichotomy of like the truth, right? It's the truth that like he is still good. He is still on the throne. He is in control and he's allowed this to be part of our story. And so our, our responsibility is really to respond and uh, to accept it from him with grace.
0: Thank you all so much for sharing. Um, I'm encouraged, I know. So, um, okay, so some of you kind of touched on this, but what would you say, um, was like the hardest part of what you were going through or what you are going through? What's that hardest part that sticks out? I got this.
1: (laughs) Uh, for me, the hardest part was, um the resentment I felt towards my friends. And if you go to watermark and you're in a community group, the resentment I specifically felt towards the couples in our community group who were getting pregnant really easily and having no issue, um, which sounds really ugly to say out loud because, um, and, I, and and that's like an added layer of it, right? Is that I'm a believer and the Bible tells us, I think it's Romans twelve fifteen. That we're supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, and I had a really hard time rejoicing with the other people who were rejoicing, and I also just kind of felt like people weren't really mourning with me or like I was, and um, so that felt super isolating. Um, that was a great part of coming to Shiloh is realizing I wasn't alone in that. That those feelings, those those feelings that I felt like were so ugly and shameful, and um, I hated that I felt that way, that it wasn't unique to me that I was feeling that way. Um, and I think the other thing that was really hard, too, is just um, kind of learning um, or, or this process really revealing in me my struggles with control and entitlement um, and just realizing, like, God did not promise that I would become a mom. He didn't promise me a child. And I'm not entitled to one. And I, I could not control it, like, no matter how hard I worked. This was, like, the first thing in my life. I had worked so hard. I mean, we, we were charting it. And we were doing it on the right days. And you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and it's, like, you can tr- you can try everything and read all the books and go to all the doctors. But you... You can't control it. You can't make it happen. So that was, um, those were the hardest things for me.
2: Yeah, I I think for me, um, two things that came to mind when you asked that question are um, just having an even if kind of faith. So I think, you know, for a long time um, as a Christian, it was just kind of like, I see, I'm an eternal optimist and I just kind of see like, everything glass half full. So, I mean, I think for years I struggled with singleness, but then this was like a new level of, well, I don't know what my life will look like if you don't give me a child. So if I'm not a mom, then I don't know what my purpose is on this planet, you know? And so I think just going, God, even if, um, even if you don't give this to me, like I'm, I'm going to choose to believe that you're good and that you have a plan for my life and that I'm not here for nothing um but i think yeah just knowing that you know he was giving that to the people around me and um just kind of being confused on what do you have for me um and then i think also just being present i think has been a challenge uh both in the time before we had our first child and then also as secondary um infertility and miscarriage has been a part of our story just kind of going well, is this, is this what our life is gonna look like? And, and if so, like I would like to live in today, but it's so hard because you have, I have this desire to have another child and that in and of itself, I don't believe is sinful, um, as long as I'm not making it ultimate. But um, I think just being present and, and being thankful for what I have today has been very challenging while also kind of like balancing the tension of yes, but I still want to work towards this and hope for this in a way that is not, um, making it an idol, you know? So I think those two things are the biggest things for me.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I think the biggest challenge and, and difficulty really is just seeing, seeing my wife hurt, uh, the way that she was and, and it, you know, continues to. We still wrestle with all that. And that's not to say that everything else wasn't also difficult, right? You have an excitement of potentially being a parent, right, and being a dad. And, and then there's that letdown and, you know, another month goes by and, and all those things. Th- those things are difficult as well, no doubt. But the, the single most challenging thing, no doubt, was, was seeing her, um, seeing my wife just hurt and not, not being able to do anything about it. Uh, that's difficult.
0: Okay. uh, Husbands, what would you say, uh, what were some of the differences between you and your wife and, like, as you process through things and how y'all handled that as a couple to get to that oneness? Some of you said, like, we weren't on the same page. So how did you work out some of those things? How did you process things differently?
5: Yeah, I can start. Um, Yeah, so we... uh, Let's see. I think first of all, like just coming into marriage. I mean, it's just just a lot of things you're really. Uh, I guess the word could be optimistic toward, but um, but I mean, yeah, we're very thankful for getting married and and uh, thankful for what God taught us, even in those years preparing for marriage or even not knowing whether we. That's what God had for us was whether marriage is something He has for uh, both of us. Really walked through that in singleness, and I think that that, that actually, I think taught us a lot. Um, and, but I think, uh, maybe for me first, uh, there may have been some like surprises of like, which anyway, there may have been some surprises of just like, wow, we're not as easily on the same page here as I thought we would be. Right. Which is just, that's, that's kind of almost laughable probably. Cause it's like, I think we all experience that in marriage, right. That we're like, okay, well, I didn't realize that we were going to kind of ha- be at such different places on things. Um, <clears throat> so, um, I think that was, uh, this was probably the biggest one that we faced, uh, in our marriage that, uh, was really clear that we were on a very, like, maybe like a very different page. Um, but specifically for us, what it looked like, I I was, um, it kind of started with, um, you know, we began trying and, um, somewhere in there, I think Lexi kind of raised the flag of like, okay, this, uh, I think we need to like get some help, um, and to me, I was kind of like, hey, I think everything's, like, good here. Like, we're, I think this is going well. Can we keep trying and be patient? And, you know, that sounds good, but that actually is, like, could be kind of hurtful to just, like, throw that in, you know? And um, uh, so I, I think some of that was just kind of, like, not, uh, yeah, just not being as sensitive as it could have been as a husband. So that kind of maybe started us off on uh, maybe not as much the same page. Uh, we had several friends, and, and we're also part of a group here. That we call a community group, and a group of friends that just encourage us, and um, there were several times that uh, one in particular, like I wasn't prepared for. Uh, we had just, it was actually the point that Lexi shared. We went to our OB and and we decided we were going to go to uh, what do you call it? I e, re. R-E. Okay, sorry, re. Anyway, and uh, um, but I, I just I felt like they all just like attacked me like that time. It's like we had just gotten this news like that day. It was like the same day, and and she kind of gave us a heads up that like, hey, this is probably what they're going to recommend. Um, this is maybe some of the testing they'll do. IUI is probably something you really want to think about and consider. And so I was just kind of like, oh, I'm not, those aren't things I'm ready to talk about or consider right now. And and that was like all in the same day. And so like sometimes things like that just kind of, I think they were good, but almost divided us more at least earlier on. And so then there was like a pretty enduring process for us to get more on the same page, just even starting with testing. Like, Hey, do we ask for help with testing? Which, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think for me, I just, uh, I don't know, maybe I could save trying to explain it, but I just think for me, I had convictions at least earlier on that like, Hey, maybe, uh, you know, why do we need to do that? Or could God give us a child? And I I believe that he can, like, you don't have to go through testing. You wouldn't have to go through any of these steps. And God certainly has demonstrated that, that he can give a child. Um, but there also may be a purpose and a reason of walking through this story. And, um, I think kind of like to fast forward, uh, Um, I kind of talked a while here, I guess, but uh, I mean kind of a highlight of us getting on the same page is finally just there was a point that Lexi just said like, hey, at this point we decided on testing and then it was more around IUI, but she just, her words were specifically like, I can't walk any further with you. Like you're going to need to walk like the end of this road of this decision. She was just like worn out from the decision. Um, And so I, I actually had a coworker that I just it just became clear to me that, like, I need to take a day off work and go just before the Lord and just, like, really put effort toward this decision, and uh, just kind of pretty abruptly asked a friend, like, hey, could you, you know, back me up on this day and took a day off, and that was just a really, like, kind of significant point of our story of just, like, going before the Lord and and, uh, making that decision. Um, I think I left out a point, but I may save it for a different different highlight here of just a couple that you want to share anything.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would just say that he's a very verbal processor and I'm not so verbal of a processor. So it was, it was very challenging for us to get on the same page. And I think in, in a good way, he wanted to hear from the Lord of like, this is what I have for you, but there's nothing. Um, I mean, he searched the Bible back backwards and forwards for a place where it says it's okay to do testing and do an IUI and it's not in there. So, he had to kind of get to a place where he was like god can you show me something i need you know i mean it, it was just like heart wrenching for him that he didn't want to be unfaithful down this path which i appreciated so much and i wanted to be able to process with him verbally <laughs> to the end end of that road but it just yeah it just gets to the point where I, I, I was like i i can't do it anymore i need we need help we need and we were already getting help but it was like you need to sit before the Lord and, and you know, land the plane. That's something we say to him a lot. So, um, but, and I think just to put a plug here for um, the uh, Should I series, it's a, a series that Watermark did a while back, and it's just a list of questions that you, um, that we go through often actually when we're making decisions of like, um, you know, there's just diff- different like biblical kind of um, questions to ask yourself concerning whatever decision is, it is that you're making that you can kind of use as a tool to say, like, God, would you have, you know, is there another, is there another option that would honor God more? Is there, have we considered all the options? Have we, you know, and just kind of like some of those questions that we have used along the path of this infertility um, and miscarriage just to kind of like help us to seek God through that in in a kind of practical way. So,
6: Yeah, I think um <clears throat> we were largely on the same page for a lot of big decision points. The area where uh we differed a lot was obviously the emotional um difficulty that this whole process was, which is no surprise. And um so for me and probably for most husbands, it's just an exercise in uh like first Peter three seven, living with your wives in an understanding way. And um I think our tendency is when um, when someone's hurting, our tendency is to try to, like, will them to truth. And, like, we want to kind of, like, hit them over the head with it and say, like, you should feel this way or, like, uh, tend to invalidate the pain that Jess or anyone else might be feeling. And so uh, I, I learned pretty quickly that the best way for me to... Uh, love her was to like just kind of be there and listen and uh, not have answers and not hit her over the head with scripture all the time because she knew all of the scripture and she knew the truth um, and was just having a tough time. So I didn't want to uh, sanctify her on a certain timeline that wasn't her own and she kind of had to walk that and it be her journey and her process uh, the example that i love to think about is um, how nicodemus and jesus interacted um, he when he starts like creeping in to like see if jesus is the messiah like late at night and like has all these questions like jesus is so patient with him like and it keeps happening it happens like a couple times and he's like asking what like we laugh at those questions like He's like, well, you got to be born again. And then Nicodemus is like, well, how on earth can I, like, come out of my mother? How- I'm not doing that anymore. How can- <laughs> <laughs> like, how can I be born again through my mom? And Jesus, like, isn't like, dude, come on. That's stupid. Like, why are you thinking this? Like, he's just patient with him. Like, just keeps answering his questions and uh, sits with him. And then, you know, after he gets crucified, Nicodemus is one of the guys there who's uh, helped bury him. So... He gets there in the end. And so that was the same journey that I think you were on, too.
4: Yeah, kind of, kind of like them, I'd say we were pretty fortunate that on a lot of big decisions, uh, we were on the same page. I think maybe one of the biggest differences is uh, attributed to our differences in personalities, probably. I probably would have done things a little bit faster, right? Um, whereas I also knew, like, hey, I can't, you know, trying to rush this thing is not going to be helpful <laughs> at all for our marriage, certainly not for Jen, any of those things. So, um, but we were fortunate, you know, I, and one thing that kind of helped navigate a lot of our decision-making, uh, I remember that sermon series as well, uh, that Blake gave a long time ago. And one of those questions that kind of came up for us to help navigate is, Hey, yes, obviously we want to be obedient and we want to be faithful to what the Lord would have us do. Um, And hey, when someday if we're if we're ninety years old, we don't want to look back and say, hey, what if we did something different? Right? What if we could have done something and changed trajectory, right? What if we want to do everything within reason and within faithfulness and obedience um, so as to not have a regret about this? And that was a big thing that I think helped navigate our decision making on on a lot of the fertility treatments and, and otherwise.
0: Thank you. Um, Okay, one last question before we kind of break. How did you handle, like the days where you were just in your darkest moment, how did you handle those days, Um, whether good or bad? Like, what did that look like in your life? Um, Some
1: days I handled it well and some days I did not handle it well. Um, So I would say there were times when I was like, okay, um, you know, right now, like God doesn't have me in a place of being pregnant or being a mom. So, um, like, what do I have? And, um, I had my job and, um, and I also like, I like to work out. And so, Those were things um, that I, you know, pursued and um, like I was, I took bar classes and I became a certified bar teacher. So like that was something that I wouldn't have had time to do if I was a mom in that season. And so um, I think those were like positive ways that I would exert my energy. Um, but then there were times that I did things that, um, were, were bad ways that I would try to fill the void. And like, that could look like, you know, doing something like going shopping to try to like fill that void or like, you know, going out with friends who either like didn't have kids or weren't weren't married, didn't have kids, like going out and being like, "Well, I'm not pregnant, so I can drink." And so just like not a, not a productive mindset. Um, and I'm not saying that like shopping or having an alcoholic beverage is a bad thing in and of itself. But what I'm saying is when you're coming in with that mindset of grief and using it to fill a void, that's when you abuse those things, and so those were bad ways um, that i would I would deal with it on a bad day
2: mm-hmm. um, I think i mean similarly I've had good days and bad days. Um, I remember when uh we were in this the period of waiting before we had our first child. Um, I remember the song being really popular of, um, it's going to make me cry, sorry, Thy Will Be Done. Um, And I just remember, sounds really like cheesy, but, or maybe not. Um, I just thought about like Jesus in the garden saying, God, if you could take this cup for me, just please take it away. But if not, thy will be done. So I just, um, I heard, I think that song really helped me to kind of, I mean, that music speaks to me and, and I'm just like saying, okay, God, if this is your will for me, like thy will be done and just kind of surrendering that um, to him, even when it was hard, I think, um, yeah, I think I had seen his faithfulness throughout uh, my singleness, and just really um, surrendering that to him as well, so it was just kind of another thing that I I chose to surrender, um, and I think, you know, I had definitely had days where I had coping things that were not um, of him, but yeah, I think the overall like big picture, I kind of just said that I will be done. So.
5: Yeah. I'll add just a few things, but not much needs to be added, but, um, I remember one particular day though, that was, um, kind of around like friends getting pregnant. We had a friend that, um, was pregnant and, um, Some of it really, like, we could have just led better to have had uh, conversations to say, uh, um, excuse me, I remember actually talking to Stephen about this. I was like, man, y'all did a good job, like, having those conversations, because I think we didn't really do that as well. I think we, like, knew that, okay, this would help to maybe kind of set some expectations to have conversations, but it's just something I've struggled with as a husband, I think, is I have, like, good, uh, not ideas, but just good thinking of intentions of, like, yeah, this would be really good to do, but then I don't follow through on it. And so it's just like, how do I step back and take a moment to lead and get in front of things like that to just sit down and have a conversation or say, hey, just this would help us if. And so we, there was a particular day that one of our friends, this person was pregnant. I just remember Lexi saying that um, there's just so much bitterness. She was just like, I'm so bitter toward God. And um, it was just uh, uh, it, it was a moment that there wasn't really a whole lot I could actually offer. or Maybe it wouldn't be really helpful to try to offer anything there, but just... Uh, sat with her in that but that, that was a that was a point that was that was pretty hard as well uh,
3: similarly similarly I would say that I had days where I would inform some of like my feelings with truth and then sometimes I would just want to like feel bad for myself if I'm being honest and sometimes that would look like just choosing to be in a bad mood and being really jealous of other people and comparing, comparing my situation with others and just wishing that this wasn't my hard thing. Um, And I mean, I would cope unhealthily at times, like in, you know, go grab some Chick Fil A. You know, like just anything that would like make myself like food and drink would like make me feel better in the moment. And so like I would use food, and I would over I overeat, ate a lot, um, and in then I would not feel good. But um, I think that in the end, like it really, like it was just a little bit of a roller coaster, and to be honest, it still is a little bit. Like my last like really really tough day was like three weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago. And I think in those moments I've gotten better in knowing like, okay, this feels like a hard day. And, you know, originally in our marriage he would think he had done something wrong because I would just be in a really bad mood. And the, and the idea, the truth was like I was just really hurting and I felt so bad. Like I felt like I let him down. I let us down. We couldn't be parents because of me. That's not like I, I'm, this is part of god's story for us but i just felt like a failure and i know that i'm not a failure like when i'm thinking logically but that was how i felt and i just sometimes needed a chance to like let those disappointments that sadness or whatever it was out and so like over time truthfully i've learned to let my disappointment and let my sadness out in the form mostly of tears when i need to Um, and uh, it's something that i have to be really diligent and consistent on letting them out when i feel them instead of suppressing them because then they come out like tenfold if i just say like oh i don't have enough time to feel this right now and to be honest when you're sitting at like two o'clock in the afternoon and you're at work and you have a lot to do in a long to 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 to-do list like maybe it is appropriate in a moment to be like okay now might not be the time to lose it. Like when your red meeting starts in three minutes, right? And at the same time, if I keep pushing that down, pushing that down, pushing that down consistently, then it just erupts. And I think that's what happened to me a couple of weeks ago. And it was just like, okay, I need to be more mindful of allowing these emotions to come out because it is a choice to, to allow myself to move through those and to feel those things. Um, and it's okay to be sad. And what I'm just really grateful for is even on my bad days, Five, six years ago, I didn't feel like God was good on my bad days. And now on my bad days, they still feel really hard. I feel really sad. I feel disappointed and not where I hoped I would be or where we would be. And life does not look the way I want it to look. However, like, I still know that he's good. Um, and there have been, like, multiple scriptures that have encouraged me. The story, the story of Joseph always encourages me. Genesis fifty twenty, you know, like what, you know, Satan, you know, Wants to, what do you say?
4: What men intended for evil, God used for good.
3: Yeah, God uses for good, and He can use anything for good, even like our own disobedience. Um, And so uh, I, I just love that that, you know, regardless of like what hardship we walk through, um, like He can He can take
0: anything and and make good from it. Thank y'all. Okay, so we will take a little break from the panel right now, go to your tables, and um, your leaders will kind of walk you through a few things, and um, you'll get the opportunity to share some about your story, and then we'll come back up here around 7.50. I hope your time at your tables was great, and feel free after um, we finish the panel to stay and chat with your table leaders or ask any of us additional questions. Um, We don't have to... And you don't have to leave right at 8.30. So do not feel like you need to rush out. Um, we are here until whenever. Um, so we'll kind of get back. If any table leaders have any questions, if anybody fill out any questions, if you'll just drop them off up here and we'll do those in a little bit. Um, or I'll give some time for that near in the end also. Um, okay, so let's kind of jump back into, we've talked a little bit about this, but... Um, How did you, as a couple, um, make decisions on how to pursue treatment or how to pursue adoption or when to close one door and, like, move forward? Um, Obviously, it's not an overnight decision, but kind of what steps did you walk through to get to those points?
1: Um, For us, we... um I was going through the Shiloh study when we were doing the IUIs and um, they were not successful. So our decision point was, do we pursue IVF or, um, or adoption? Because that was something we were already kind of considering and looking into. So um, for us, what that looked like was um, we did have like a meeting with our reproductive endocrinologist and really, you know, um, asked some hard questions and made sure we understood, um, every aspect of what that process would look like. Um, and for us, um, we, we told her that one of our convictions was just that we, um, did wa- not want to take his sperm and my eggs and, and put them together and create an embryo, um, if we weren't planning on transferring it, um. And so uh, sh- we did discuss with her um, some options for, um, you know, we can just fertilize the number that you want to transfer maybe to um, and and freeze the rest of your eggs. Um, but she did tell us that that would be uh, much less likely to be successful and just much less, much more expensive. Um, and so um, that, was, that was the conversation we had. Um, and then not to put it like it was all in a vacuum because... Like you said, it's not an overnight decision. There's lots of different discussions and fact-gathering. But we were simultaneously um, reaching out to some adoption agencies and talking to some people who we knew had adopted and um, kind of getting a feel for that. So we actually met with the director of the agents, the adoption agency we ended up using um, while we were still going through IUI treatments. And um, she was able to really sit us down and answer you know, all those hard questions about Uh, you know, what does the adoption process look like? Like, what are our rights? What if she changes her mind? Like what, you know, what, what are the pros and cons here? And so um, I think while this was all happening, um, I was going through the Shiloh study and Patrick and I were both kind of just faithfully seeking God, what would you have us do next? And um, I remember um, one of the, the stories we go through in the Shiloh study is in First um, Samuel chapter 1, which is Hannah's story of infertility. And um, at the end of that chapter, um, Hannah actually, um, she, she has her son Samuel after a long um, history of infertility. So she kind of has this miracle baby, and she actually gives him back to the Lord. Um, and so... Um, I, I love that story. It helped me to see that like this child that I wanted really wasn't about me getting what I want, but more about like what child um, God might have for me to steward during this lifetime. And so for us, we process those those should I questions, um, which is another week of the Shiloh study. We really nail down those. Um, those questions that help your decision-making. And one of the last ones is um, kind of a good, better, best. Um, and is there, you know, a better option um, between the, the, the options I'm looking at um, for the kingdom? And for us, I believe that we just felt like God was calling us that the better option for us was to pursue adoption at the time. So would you
2: add anything to that? Okay. Um, so we already talked a lot about some of our decision making process, but, um, I think we early on kind of asked our, our community group, um, here to kind of like get in the trenches with us and really wrestle with, um, with us on this and just say kind of, Hey, we need, we need y'all's help and we need biblical counsel, we, we really are um, kind of not, I mean, like he said, not on the same page. Um, so we gave them some of the Shiloh resources and and just kind of said, hey, would y'all take some time to consider this, pray about it? Like, what would you do if you were in this situation? Um, and I think that was maybe a little bit helpful, but none of them have been in this situation. And so um, I, while I think their counsel was helpful, it didn't really get us kind of unstuck Um, so we actually did reach out to the Shiloh um, leadership and uh, Patrick and Jen Haney met with us Um, they were leading at the time in Shiloh and I I remember them you know Patrick just kind of at the end of our towards the end of our meeting just telling us both like hey you guys what what God cares about the most is unity in your marriage Um, if you're not on the same page like it's a no, and so, you know, he was like, "Hey, Lexi, like I, I see, I hear you, um, that you're ready to proceed forward with this, but if Paul's not, and y'all are, y'all are one, like God, y- you are united as one, then the answer is no." So, I mean, he was really challenged us. He, I mean, the, specifically the way he said it, I'll never forget. He said, um, "Going back to um, the story of Isaac, yeah, Genesis and." Uh, Abraham.
5: Yeah. I really like the story. It gets me excited. But, so Abraham, and it's like such a, like, um, confounding, is that even the right word, the story of just like, man. So Abraham, you know, they, him and um, Sarah um, have Isaac that God said that he was going to give and he's going to multiply him and make descendants, is, you know, it's the whole part, right? So as many as the stars in heaven. And then, and then God goes to um, Abraham and is like, hey, I want you to take Isaac you know, and sacrifice him. Um, and so like in faith, Abraham's okay. And like takes Isaac and takes, uh, wood for the sacrifice. And, and Isaac's like, what are we doing? And, and you know, he goes up there and he tells Isaac that just, we're, we're going to trust that God's going to provide. Uh, but Patrick's, um, like statement from, and you could look at the passage more. It's in Genesis, uh, something else, I think 15 and kind of on 22, 22. Okay. Hey, I was close. No, I wasn't. Sorry. Um, so, um, <laughs> Uh, but I, so I think, uh, what Patrick's statement was, which I haven't heard it any other time since, maybe when we all have, but was like, Hey, I think you guys need to lay down your Isaac. Um, and what he meant in that is, um, can you go before the Lord and say that if this is not what you have for us, then that's okay. Um, I I think it's kind of how I like interpret and take that. And so could you go into this like open-handedly with this decision rather than, like, hey, I'm really just, like, set on, like, this is the decision I want to make, and let me just kind of, like, try to get there, but, like, could we really, like, go before the Lord and say that, like, you know what, if you don't have us, if that means that we don't take the step, that could mean lead to having a child, um, but if what you're saying is this, that we would not do that, then let us be willing to do that, um, but that...
2: Yeah, so I think uh, that was what I really needed to hear because I think I had just kind of gotten to a stubborn place where I didn't, like I said earlier, I didn't want to process anymore and I just didn't, I just wanted him to come to my side. I didn't want to be, um, you know, like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not willing to compromise, I'm not willing to come towards you in this, um, you need to come towards me. And so that was really, um, and I think it helped that they had been there before they had processed this stuff before it, like we've said up here, like it just, it's really helpful to have some people that have really wrestled with it and they had. And so uh, it just, it held a lot of weight, um, what they said. And, and, and he really just challenged us to like, Hey, you guys need to start from ground zero and you need to make a united front towards whichever decision that you make as a couple, but it needs to be both of you, green light, green light. If it's, if one's a red light and, or one's an orange light and one's a green light, then it's a no. So um, that was a really helpful meeting, very impactful for us, and we still, we still talk about that. So, yeah.
4: I was going to say a lot of great things, but they already said them. So. I
3: know. <laughs> they, they, said, they said a lot of the That's things okay. I would say. I think the bottom line, a lot of conversation, a lot of prayer, and then processing with community. Um, if you all are a part of this church or another local body and you have a community group, praying with your community group, talking with them. And then I would say decisions weren't made quickly. Um, we talked about that. I'm a much slower decision maker on these kind of things that Jeff is. Um, I also was the one who had a lot more emotions about this too. So it's a little bit harder to, you know, it just took me a little bit more time to process through them. But I think, you know, like you just said, like when you can get to a place of green light, green light, and then you can like proceed, you know, and I think um, it's not always like a right or wrong. And sometimes the no is a not yet, or it's a not now, and it's, all, it's not a no for forever. Just like you were sharing, it just sometimes takes time to actually, and persistence, like, literally like not giving up on each other and looking to understand your spouse and where they're coming from it takes a lot of patience, I would say. And like laying your selfish desires down, right? Because it's so much its so much easier just to only see from my perspective. Just be like, this is what I see. I'm hurting. Um, I need to process this before we do whatever. And he's like, you know, he may be in a different spot than I am. But I think that when we both are loving the Lord really well and we're just aware, like really acutely aware of like his love for us, then like his love pours out of us towards each other and allows us to be more patient with each other so that when we are not on that same page that we can slowly either just say, hey, we see things differently and so it is a no or we don't proceed or it gives us time to like come together and have mm-hmm. unity on decision and move forward. Yeah.
0: Um, okay so we've kind of talked touched on community so community if you're um, not at watermark community is for a married community is four or five couples um, just kind of doing life together like talking about all the good stuff talking about all the hard stuff processing things together um, we have a resource at the back um, that is I think it's a four week um, it's kind of laid out like a four-week study for you to go through with your community group so that they can understand you better, you can understand where they're coming from better, um, and you can all really be in unity, and they can really help you process through some of this tough stuff. Um, because chances are, like our panelists have said, some of them may never have walked through any of this, and so they don't get it. But you want them to be there and like help you process through things. So what were some of the things in your community group times, um, like how did your community group respond to you bringing ideas of treatment or bringing your grief or bringing um, different things, how did they respond? And um, if support wasn't there, how did your group work through that to kind of everyone feel loved and cared for?
4: Uh, just, yeah, real fast, I would say they were very supportive um, but we did get a lot of blank stares because none of them had, had been in that position, right? So on the, on the practical side, like the financial side and the time side, all those, all those considerations, um, you know, they were, they were helpful, uh, and they were very supportive of fertility treatments, adoption, all of those things. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, very, it's also been very helpful to loop others in, uh, like at a, sh- a ministry like Shiloh, Um, or wherever it might be, who folks are a little closer to the situation or understand the situation well as as well.
6: Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, more than, like, the practical counsel and decision point help, which is a lot easier for a community group to do, the struggle for us was wrestling through uh, how can they – Best support and understand the emotional piece, especially for Jess. Uh, as we were walking through that, so um, most community groups are super fertile, and there's like always one couple who's not, and so all these people that are <laughs> popping out babies, and then there's one couple that's like, man, this really sucks sometimes, like, and they're like, yeah, I know. Also, I'm pregnant again. You're like, oh, this is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's just like this continuous cycle of like that and so then you like try and share and you're like well hey guys um, I know that you guys like this is all really foreign to you and like appreciate the advice um, but like you know it's really hard when for an hour and a half we talk about you know sleep training your four month old and you know like we're just sitting here like yeah this is (laughs) sanctifying me Jesus like I love this, um, so uh, like kind of uh, that was the challenge, especially up front. And so over time, when um, you know as it went on longer and longer, they started to become a little bit more attuned to it. And then lo and behold, they started to have other friends going through it too. And like suddenly, like they were the ones we would get phone calls, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, my uh, like my cousin just had a miscarriage." and I don't know what to say. So they like, suddenly became a lot more sensitive to the discussions we were having in group uh, and all that. There was one point when um, they were, another couple was pregnant for like the 32nd time. And uh, they send a text and uh, like, hey, we're pregnant again. And Jess looks at me and she's like, I'm going to die. And she's like, you've got to say something. I'm like, okay. So I send like this... Super awkward email at like 5 o'clock on a Sunday night. Like, hey, guys, infertility is really struggling. Like, it's hard. And this was really difficult. And, like, attach the Shiloh attachments. And, like, read these. (laughs) (laughs) And and then, like, having to work through all of that because they're surprised. And they're like, I don't understand why this is still hard. And, And so, anyway, that all sounds like a horror story. That went on for a, a while, but they got there, and they've been great for years now. They've helped us fund our adoption, um, tons of other stuff. So,
1: I was just gonna say one thing. If there's one thing I, you know, I could go back and do differently, it would be for one or both of us to um, be more assertive in. Um, sharing uh, where we were at specifically emotionally with our community group and like kind of regularly checking in and asking for um, some boundaries earlier on. Like, hey, um, like a good one is, uh, hey, if one of you finds out that you're pregnant, like could you have the guy call or text Patrick so that he can tell me at like a private moment, like please don't announce it at group meeting Um, or like just a sudden text message because um, like I need a moment to like grieve my own stuff so that I can like present and congratulate you in person Um, and um, oh and also I don't know if this is like an anomaly that happened with our group but like these people brought their children like their babies for to community group for an extended period of time like One of them was like crawling and walking around and like playing with a toy during one of our community groups. And I'm over here like, I just had another miscarriage and a failed adoption and I want to die. So it was like, you know, it's like, why are we bringing, you know, get a babysitter. Um, So anyway... It seemed like stuff that should be obvious and maybe it should have been, but I wish we had been more assertive because by the time we finally like sent that email, it was like, whoa, we thought y'all were over it because you were adopting. And we were like, we are not over it. You don't get over the inability to have a biological child. So um, anyway, we're all still friends.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess I would say that our group did the best they could. Um, they did support us, um, through miscarriage as, like I said, as best as they, they knew how, um, I do think part of it is, you know, we talk about in in the community circle about like, you can't be fully loved until you're fully known. So I do think part of it is, is stepping out and saying like, Hey, I'm hurting, I'm, angry today with God, I am questioning, I am, you know, fill in the blank, whatever you're feeling. But I think it sometimes takes you or us stepping out to kind of like be fully known before they can really love us well. Um, and even sometimes having to ask for specifically what we need, which I don't really do very well. We, we have not traditionally done super well in our community. I, I, I mean, partly sometimes because you don't really know what you need until after it's, I mean, after an expectation is not met. Um, And you didn't, you didn't know you had that expectation until you're disappointed. Um, And so, yeah, I think, you know, assuming positive intent is also really important. And, you know, one of the things in the Shiloh thing is just like, hey, people say things that they think are helpful, um, but sometimes they're just really hurtful instead. And, you know, I mean, if it's, yeah, if it's bad enough that you need to kind of like correct them on that, then, then do so. But, you know, I think part of when you're hurting, those things are just like nails on a chalkboard um, because of where you are. And so I think, you know, just giving grace to our community was very important. Um, And sometimes we had to convince each other that we needed to give them grace um, and just kind of like ask the Lord to get us there. And then, and then consider like, Hey, is there something we need to go back and and really like challenged them to, to, Hey, I think you could have done this differently or next time when you announce a pregnancy, please do it, you know, a different way, et cetera. Um, but yeah, they, they tried to love us through it. And, and thankfully we had other friends and family that had had miscarriages and been through kind of some of the same path. So we had other people supporting us through it too. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I would say for the community piece of it for us.
0: Um, okay, do we have, before we keep going, do we have any questions? Does anybody in the audience have any questions you want to ask specifically? Yeah. Okay, do okay. You okay. yeah. No, you can say it? say it. Okay, I'll just read it. Uh, how did you navigate the financial burden that
3: infertility and adoption can create, making sure you were being good stewards but also not letting finances dictate every move and
0: decision? Thanks. So she asked about just, like, Uh, how do you navigate finances? How do you navigate stewarding your money well while walking through things that just get real expensive?
3: I can start by sharing, um, like Jeff and I would definitely, like in terms of the decision, we would search for like alignment first on like where we were headed. And then the nice thing is like, typically you start with procedures or measures that cost less, typically, unless you're given a medical diagnosis, and it's like, okay, you're not able to conceive, so it's adoption, and then you're looking typically, depending if, I mean, I know, like, our adoption's going to cost us at least $40,000 or more, like, and so I think there are a lot of people that come alongside, like, I know y'all talked about people helping fund your adoptions. I know our agency like Definitely has different things you can do. I know the Johnsons, like, even, like, just even there's fun things to do. I don't know if that was necessarily like helping fund, but just like as a fun way to just like, they made like sweatshirts and like we would buy the sweatshirts. And it was definitely just in some ways that's just like, was yours a fundraiser or just for fun, like to just like support you? Um, we had financial support for your kids' border. Yep. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, it was sweet. And so I think that some people do that also to fundraise. Um, So there are a lot of different ways that people can come around you. And there are also some organizations like some um, nonprofit organizations that support as well. But we're fortunate in terms of like when you first start, like if you're able to try like whether it be like IUI or something like they're even like Clomid, those, are mu- they co- those cost a lot less money than like an IVF or an adoption.
6: Yeah, just real quickly. Um, uh, Adoption-wise, there's uh, tons of grants. There's um, matching grants that uh, you can fundraise part of and that portion will get matched. Um, there's uh, a small fund here. Um, I don't know how active it is anymore that used to help um Fund adoptions for people um I, the the big thing i i th- I'm convinced is like every couple that i've ever talked to here at watermark or otherwise who's spent a bunch of money on fertility treatments or adoption is like god's provided i don't I don't know how like it's this amazing thing that um he just seems to provide every time someone's got a need and um i there's couples here who've like just opened their mailbox and then there's been a check for the amount of money they needed. The couple in our community group that I mentioned, they gave us $15,000 like to use real numbers. Cause that's, that's big money. Um, and, um, so, I mean, it, I guess that's the, the heart question is like just opening ourselves up to, to stepping out and letting God work.
4: I think that's definitely a good one to bring, if you're in a community group, to bring to the community group, um, and just, you know, be willing to, for multiple reasons, not just on this end, but for multiple reasons, being willing to just lay your your finances bare, um, and saying, hey, what what do you think God would have us do, and what's reasonable, and what's a good stewardship of money? Um, And then also, of course, you know, and, and unfortunately, it seems to get glossed over a lot, but really, truly, be praying a lot. Not just obviously the finances, right? Because it's tough. There, there's no, you can't turn to a scripture and say, this is how much this, this family should use financially towards infertility or adoption or any of those things. Um, but really, through all of these things uh, the finance question, the, you know, should we do this, should we do that, when should we, you know, are we both green light? All those things. Um, I can't tell you how many times in how many different situations. I've just had to stop and say, Lord, I, I know I can't do this. But I know you can. And I need you. Um, I need you to bring an answer. You're right? Like, I need you. Lord, I, I can't do it. I need you to comfort Jen right now. And um, I would encourage you, um, make, that, make that a priority every step of the way.
3: I think, go. Okay. I was going to add one last thing. I think the something that kept, like that's coming up for me as i listen to everyone's story is just like the willingness to let people in people want to help and uh, and so i think that when we are open and honest about what we're walking through and when we're living like not in isolation but with, in community with other people it provides opportunities for other people to love us in ways sometimes with their time sometimes with their finances in a lot of different ways but it's just it's just a way for christ followers to lift each other up and to help each other and so it's like a good reminder to me even sitting up here tonight to continue to to be vulnerable because sometimes i'm tired if i'm being honest of being vulnerable and I don't always want to do some of the things that you've shared up here. I was actually talking to Julie about that a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm tired of going to community group, and I oftentimes don't have something new to say. Like, I feel the same pain, and it's been a lot of the same for a long time. And so to not just get callous and be like, nothing new, nope, all good here, like when I'm really hurting and like allow them to actually see me. And I think that we can allow others to see us, too, with our finances and with all aspects of, you know, that go into making decisions because finances play a role in the
0: decision as well. Mm-hmm. I think I can also say for us, one of the things that when we went into it, we would, knew we would have help from a company, but we knew, like, going into debt was never an option for us in this realm. And so if it meant... Um, like holding, like, hey, we could go do this testing, we could do all this stuff, but that would put us in debt, then, but if we waited two or three months to raise that money or to um, steward our own money better, like, we would choose to wait. We would choose to steward that money well so that we wouldn't be, like it says, um, the the debtor is slave to the lender. Like, we didn't want to, we were in the struggle. We didn't want to add another struggle on top of that by going into debt just to get just to hopefully get something that we would want. Just because we went into debt doesn't mean we were gonna get what we wanted. Um, so I think that was another big part for us. Um, okay, um, what what were some of the things? Um, how did you balance like having fun in this season, or how do you balance keeping your relationship fun in the midst of you know something so hard?
5: You had, this, you had this big smile on your face. But, well, I, I think, um, <clears throat> I don't think we have done it very well. Um, I think um, <clears throat> on, our, on our honeymoon when Lexi and I got married, I, I, I realized that Lexi likes riding bikes, which was really cool because, like, again, you're, like, pursuing marriage and you're, you're trying to have conversations and understanding, but it just, it just had never come up that she liked riding bikes and I like riding bikes. And so that, that was kind of, like, maybe even early on in marriage for us, something that we've We've done a lot of, and we've still kind of done. But um, so sometimes, I guess there were things like that that was just like, "Hey, do you want to go on a bike ride?" And we would go on a bike ride around, and um, those were fun. We live in a neighborhood that has pretty good hills, and so most of the time, those would end at some point with Lexi being like, "Okay, this I can't walk anymore (laughs) up this hill," and so we'd kind of get to laugh through that, you know. So there are things like that that we, um, you know, we we shared. I I think. I mean, sometimes I think there were, like, you know, we'd go to dinner and it not really be planned very well. And uh, as in, it's still fun and still good. But, like, if I had put more effort toward planning it, maybe, like, hey, a couple days from now, let's go to this dinner. And she could maybe get more excited for that. Uh, Something that probably would have been uh, just blessed my wife more, Lexi more. And um, we've we've also... um, one thing that was challenging for us is a couple times I've kind of had the thought of just like, hey, I'd really like to go on like a vacation or a break and like, let's go somewhere together. And um, <clears throat> it also was challenging going through testing and and month after month going to the doctor and there you don't really know the schedule of that. And so I think there were times that maybe we just needed to really kind of take a time out and say like, hey, though we want to continue to pursue this, let's rest for a season here and go and and rest, go go somewhere where we can rest together and, um, just, just really care for our marriage and each other. Well, um, so that, that's something that though we've done some, I think that really we've not done it well to really get on a good page there to how we could do
6: that. I, I guess mine's really easy. Like, like we just committed to laughing. Like, the best thing, the easiest thing for us to do is like make fun of how like crazy and awkward this whole situation was. So like every visit to a fertility clinic was just like, it just became funny. Like the, the reaction of like what <laughs> just having to like watch a man come out of the like f- clinic him by himself, which like no man ever wants to exit by himself. Like everyone knows what this means, like what you've been <laughs> doing back there. And this guy being like, oh, just feel like it took forever in there. And his wife's like, Stephen. And he's like, what? Everyone knows what I did in there. And, like, we just had to find that stuff to, like, to laugh at. and like.
1: Patrick took several photos of me over the years with Wanda, the wand that they use to check your egg follicles. <laughs> so we have those in our phone. <laughs>
3: They don't look as good on the wall. No. <laughs> <laughs>
6: you
0: have laugh.
3: You do. I think laughter is great medicine for sure. And I would say, like, we would spend time. We look for things to do with our time, like, in terms of taking trips to go see friends. Honestly, investing in our friends' lives, too. Like, even tomorrow we're going to San Antonio, and it's one of Jeff's best friends from college. And it's just like we've kind of been part of their lives they've got four kids and so even though we don't have kids of our own we like i'm gonna go i'm gonna be a lot of soccer and volleyball games the next two days just cheering on some kids we really really love and we have time and space in our lives to go do that and so we make time for things that we love to do so we love to travel we love we love our friends we love our friends kids and so we spend lots of time with them Um, And then since we we don't current state have children, we sure hope to, Um, and I say this, like I would love to not be able to just be super spontaneous, but because we currently can be super spontaneous, we just are spontaneous sometimes, whether that being like going to do something that we didn't plan to do. Um, We go on lots of walks together um, throughout the years, many, 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 and uh, um, you know, just I enjoy spending time with Jeff, like, and just being together. And so it doesn't have to be something grandiose. Um, it can just be something really simple. It doesn't have to cost money, um, but just like togetherness. And then, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny, like the longer we're married, it's just, like the more the friend, our friendship strengthens. So it's just fun to be
0: together, whatever that looks like. Okay, one last question, quick. Um, what is one scripture or passage um, in the Bible that just speaks to you um, in this season?
1: Um,
0: Job 42
1: 2, I think, um, says, uh, I know that you can do all things, and no purpose or plan of yours can be thwarted. And that is um, a scripture that we went over during the Shiloh study, and that one has continued to stick through my mind, but um, through the years of um, testing and treatment and uh, adoptions, not going as planned, and miscarriages, all of those things, there were so many times that my sense of control, I would look back and say like, you know, maybe we should have, you know, tried this other treatment or done this other test or, um, you know, had sex one more time that month. And maybe the outcome would be different. And I would always, like, question that. Or or maybe we should have, you know, pursued a different avenue of adoption or a different agency or whatever. And, and maybe that wouldn't have happened to us. Um, but that scripture kind of just always brought me back to know. Because um, you can just drive yourself nuts with that kind of thinking. And it just leads to so much anxiety. And it just, it brings you back to know, hey, God's in control. Um, His word says that he um, saw us before we were born. Um, He knew every day of our lives before they even happened. So, you know, my, even though I feel like I'm making a decision, you know, one of the big ones was like, do we do IVF or do we pursue adoption? And it felt like, I was the one shutting the door on having a biological child, and, um, and that's just not true because um, God is, was, and is con- in control of that, and um, no decision I make, um, you know, is not something uh, that can throw off his plan. He foresaw before I was even born that I was going to make that decision, so am I really in control? No. <laughs>
6: real quick um, Psalm 56 8 talks about uh, God bottling our tears and keeping them in his bottle Um, and without if we had not gone through all of this then I don't think that I would really understand God's nearness I would um, probably be able to tell you that he's close to us and near us and we have his spirit and, and dwells in us but I would have never really felt and experienced it um so it's an idea of, like, stewarding our pain really well. Um, there's a theologian who talks about uh, if God were to, like, change all the stars to write, like, I'm God in the sky, uh, that people would think that was, like, kind of cool and crazy for, like, a few days, and then they would go back to just doing whatever they want to do. Um, not because people don't care if there's a God or not, but they don't really want that. What they want is a God who's near to them and close to them. Uh, and so I think there's a lot to that. And so Psalm, Psalm 56 has been um, good for both of us.
2: Um, yeah, I would say Matthew 7, verse 11 says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Um, and so I think that that is really impactful because even though I asked a lot, or we have asked of God a lot for more children. Um, sometimes, a lot of the time, the answer has been no. Um, and so I think looking for the gifts, uh, even within kind of the trial, um, have been that has been um, something that God has taught me. Um, and just knowing that ultimately um, another child is not gonna be the thing that ultimately satisfies me. And so, um, yeah, just the good gift of being able to say, like, I know, God, that you are the only thing that will satisfy me through any trial in life. And um, and just, like, that longing that I have is, is really, like, put there by him. Um, and so I think, yeah, that verse is
3: really impactful for me. And then I would say um, I want to share in the beginning of Job, Um, I always think the story of Job is one that piques my interest for many reasons. Um, Obviously, he was someone who walked through a lot of hardship. um, But in Job 1.8, I don't know the exact words, but what I know is that as I've walked through this, I've questioned whether, like, God's goodness and whether God was in control. And I love, like, right from the get-go, you know, Satan wanted to bring hardship on Job, but God set the parameters, and he, like, literally wrote... He's like, you can do these things, but on the man himself, you may not lay a finger. And the this idea of God being in control, even when Satan is wreaking havoc, even though he wants to steal, he wants to destroy, it's like it brought me a lot of peace and a lot of Like, just to know that God wasn't, like, the originator of these ideas, like, to hurt Job in that story. It's like he was going to allow some of those things to hurt, like, to happen, and for Job to be hurt. But even God, like, set those parameters, and Satan can only do so much, and God is on the throne. And so that story and the setup to that was something that, that has encouraged me in the past and still encourages me to this day.
4: Um, I've gone back a lot to, uh, when Jesus is, it's John 11, when Lazarus dies, um, and Jesus comes to the, to the site where, where Lazarus is. And Martha says, Jesus, if you were here, um, my brother wouldn't have died, right? And it's real easy, I think, in a lot of darker days or or moments to say, Lord, where are you, right? If you were here, this wouldn't be happening, Right? Um. And uh, and Jesus said, "Your brother will rise again." And Martha says, "Yeah, yeah, I know." In the resurrection, right? Uh, and Jesus says, in, in starting verse twenty-five, Jesus said to her, "I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives believes and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this?" And uh, I remember a sermon. Sermon Tim Keller gave once, right after 9-11 on that passage. And he talks about how if Jesus is in fact the resurrection and if everything is in Christ, right, from Colossians 1, even evil things, right, even the worst of things, if Jesus is the resurrection and he comes back to make all things new, that means that even one day, Someday in heaven, you know, heaven is not just a place where we're so drunk on God that we forget about the bad times. I think heaven is a place where Jesus resurrects even the bad things and even the fallen things of this world and makes it into something so incredibly beautiful that we could never we could never dream. Um, and I put my hope in that. Um, I put my hope, obviously, that that uh, his death and re- resurrection and... and Uh, By grace, through faith, I'm saved, right? Uh, By his death and resurrection and his his salvific work. But I also put my hope in the fact that, hey, even this, even infertility, even all of the heartache and whatever whatever it is, he's going to resurrect that. And he's going to make it into something incredibly beautiful that we just can't see yet.
0: Okay. Do you have one?
5: Okay, go for it. I have go for it. something short, I think. Um, Lexi and I have been singing this song a lot that this, we heard early on just at this church. Of um, um, She actually wrote this down about a question yesterday. I didn't know that was the name of it, but um, I thought it was just called Bless the Lord, Oh My Soul, but it's it's called 10,000 Reasons, I guess, for my heart to find. And so <clears> at <throat> some point, we had to get this song like, memorized. And then, but I have not thought of that verse in the last like year of, of that song, just that there's 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. And this song just goes along the lines of just like, um, of just that like guiding our soul, teaching our soul to bless the Lord, like to be thankful in what he's given us in, in this circumstance. And, um, I think Jeff, kind of like what you said, like just even just being thankful for, um, the grace, the mercy that he has shown us, um through Christ of just being, thank you for, yeah, for forgiving sin in my life and restoring my life. And, um, <clears throat> so, uh, I think that's something that just, we've, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll share a, a verse. There's a couple I've been reading in Psalms. So these are actually just like kind of, but I've gone back to these a lot in the last couple of years of just like keep reading through Psalms a lot. And, uh, <clears throat> Psalm 26, um, just a couple verses in here. um, just actually the very last verse is my my foot stands on level ground in the great assembly I will bless the Lord um, um, there 's an earlier one in just verse two prove me prove me, O Lord, and try me, test my heart and my mind um, and uh <clears throat> I could just, I could just, Catherine's probably gonna laugh at me back here because I could just do this and start talking, but I'll I'll stop at another one here. If you go to like forward to chapter 28, it's like, oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. And it's just that God like cares about his people, his children and his heritage. And like, he has um, good for us. And um, Jeff, I'm encouraged by what you just said too, of just even thinking about that. Hey, some of this, like we're just not gonna have perspective of here in this life, Um, but that like we're gonna see this beautiful restoration in eternity. And so, like, let me lead my soul and my heart toward, and our family toward blessing the Lord, and that, like, He is good, um, even when we're, you know, sad or things are not going how we expect. And then when they are, also, that we would praise Him for, uh, we're thankful for the Son He has given us. And, and so just, just being, yeah, being thankful for uh, what where He has answered prayers. Um, and, and and again, some of those, yeah, I can stop here, but some of those are not even just, in, in just children, but just thinking about um, other areas of our life that, hey, these are things that we can thank him for. So.
0: Okay, thank y'all. Thank y'all for coming tonight. Um, feel free, ask any questions, stay. Um, and uh, we hope that you are signed up for the study coming up starting on Thursday. Uh, the... Shiloh's study will start Thursday, and Gilo study starts the same on Thursday or the week after? I don't remember. Same? Okay, same time. Um, so they both start next week. So if you're not signed up, uh, please ask your table leader, and they can tell you where to sign up, and um, we would love to have you be part of that study if you're not signed up currently. Um, it really is, like we've all talked about, such a blessing. Um, So thank you for coming tonight. Would one of you uh, husbands please pray for us before we leave?
4: Father, thank you so much uh, for loving us, for revealing yourself to us. Thank you, Father, for time to spend together to encourage one another. Um, I pray, Father, that you've been honored uh, tonight. I pray, Father, that uh, your word was uh, rightly divided. I pray, Father, that uh, if it wasn't, that you would show us um, I pray, Father, that ultimately uh, you would encourage each one of the hearts in this room uh, with whatever they're going through, whatever their, their story is, Lord. Um, you know it, Lord. You know it more intimately um, than we know ourselves, than we know our own stories, Lord. And you know how it's going to play out. Um, and I pray, Father, that, um, that we would trust you and have faith in you and hope in you uh, as our story plays out, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you give us strength and courage and wisdom and discernment, each one of us, to simply be faithful where we are. Uh, and to, uh, Lord, to, to love the things that you love, uh, to hate the things that you hate. I pray, Father, that we would uh, love each other, love our spouses unconditionally as you, as you have loved us. I pray that we would forgive our spouses and forgive each other unconditionally as you have uh, forgiven us, Father. Um, and I pray, Lord, that as our, our stories unwind, Um, I pray that prayers would be answered for uh, fertility, for children, for all of these things, Lord. Yet, even if you choose not to, Lord, I pray that uh, we would praise you and that we would see the blessing um, that you are in and of yourself and that you, in fact, are our treasure, Jesus. Thank you for that in your name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you all for coming again tonight. Feel free to take any food, any treats, there are plenty back there. So feel free to grab your a plate and take, or take a drink to go. Um, and we hope to see you back here next week for the study.